Are you in a space where you are the first, the only, or very different from anyone around you? Are you in a space that is male-dominated? Are you in a space which doesn't reflect diversity? And are you struggling to get your voice heard? Then this is the perfect episode to build your personal brand and be true to who you really are. Because today I'm talking with Fathomo Olov. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Shared Diversity Podcast. My name is Sina Port brand communicator, content artist, and author. And each week, I introduce you to an amazing person, story, or message to help you empower yourself in your career and life. On here, you can find exclusive interviews with successful businesswomen where we discuss topics around business, branding, and womanhood. And if you'd like to see the video version of this or any other episodes, go and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn on Shared Diversity and myself at Port. So you can join giveaways and learn more about building a personal brand and career. Salams everybody and Ramadan Mubarak. Today I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with Fatimo. Fatimo is a sports journalist and a youth worker. She has produced content and campaign for brands like Adidas, Twitter and Coca-Cola. And she's been also a guest contributor to Galda magazine as well as The Guardian focusing on women's football. And she's also hosting a podcast together with Lipa Nessa about bringing underrepresented conversations to life, the growth of women's sports, footballing culture and diversity. And the podcast is called I Think She's Offside. I really love talking to her. We talked about about the unique experiences of being a black Muslim woman in sports and especially in the media and how you can make feeling out of place in an environment be to your advantage. How to engage in discussions about diversity and how to bring your full self to your passion and to your work. She also shared how it was to get into media and journalism. So anyone who's interested in that, this is a really good resource for you to get started and how she found her voice. We also talked about finding your dream career and branding yourself and how to collaborate with brands and organizations we truly believe in. Furthermore, is really one of the women I love to follow because she's so much herself, not focusing on whether her true self and her authentic opinions are fitting into a space or into a certain norm but she just does her thing she really knows how to take advantage of her true personality and how to bring that over to other people both in a way that is a form of activism but at the same time she knows how to be patient and kind with people in a straightforward way to build a space where diversity is not only accepted but embraced and can grow. So if you're someone who is getting into a space that is male-dominated or that is dominated by people who do not look like you, whether you get into a space where you are feeling like the diversity token, this is an amazing episode for you. And especially for anyone who wants to get into media and journalism and wants to know how to both do work on the ground at the same time as working with major brands, this is a great resource for you to get started and build your personal brand. Now, before we jump into this episode, maybe Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Share Diversity and you make sure to share with us what did you get out of this episode? What did you learn? What did you find interesting? What did you find shareable? And if you think someone needs to hear this message, share it with her. Bismillah. alaikum. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. For those who don't know you, uh, could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? Um, my name is Fadumo or Fadma. Um, I am a youth worker. I'm also a sports journalist and I do loads of like activism about against and with using sports as a social impact to help young people. 
And how did you get in all this, uh, these, all these different things that you're doing? Um, it's, it's weird. I like to say that I'm involved. People often say like, you've got 50 different types of jobs. Like I never know what you're doing, which is true most of the time. But I, um, my first thing, which I do probably on a more regular basis and I have been doing for the longest is I'm a youth worker. And that has just come from, um, just volunteering really. Like I, by chance got into volunteering for the charity that I now work for. Um, and I just found out that I just really enjoy it. And I was like, this is good. I could, I could do this for a living. <laughs> um, and that's how I got into it. So that's how the sport, which I, which is how the sports came about. Um, and sports kind of came off in a similar way. I was doing the youth work, but I was like, I really want to go back to doing sports. because I, I grew up doing a lot of sports and just had a couple of years gap for various reasons, but I didn't know how to do it. So I thought, let me just go to volunteers or let me go to events and just see what happens. And kind of that's how it came about. And you do all these different things while you are having your podcast and you have your own, um, you have, you are present as a journalist and just as a person that is building a brand in a space of journalism, but also sports on a lot of platforms. So you have built a very, very strong personal brand for yourself. I can see you being represented in a way I feel you want to be seen when I look you up online. And that's basically a personal brand. You have that reputation. So what was the journey in really creating this personal brand for yourself and really finding your way of combining all these things into the person you are? Um, it's been a bit... It's been a bit weird because initially I came together with a friend of mine and we started our podcast called I Think She's Offside, which is about bringing underrepresented conversations to life in sport. So we started that podcast and uh, that was our brand. So people would look at that podcast and they would associate it with us, the both of us. And I think as time went on, we started to work on our own um, individual products. Like I did some brand work with Adidas and a few other people. And I think that kind of helped me bring, build my own brand because over time I was doing my own little projects. So for me, I started off as a part of a, I think as a project. And then for me, it was how do I differentiate that and how do I build myself outside of that? And I think that's what I'm doing at the minute is trying to get involved in different things in my own kind of way. But I wouldn't say there's been a set way that I've done it. It's been more like just trial and error. But now that I look back on it, it would have been nice had they been like, oh, this is what you should do. I'd be like, okay, cool, I'll do that. Rather than yeah. it being, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, there's never a really pathway, especially now in personal branding. You just trial and error, like you say. But what I want to know is you have been doing all these different projects and you're now looking at how to really make it you. What are the, the things that you really want people to remember about you when they see you online? Um, oh, that's hard. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think of it like that. I kind of just think I, you know, like, it's weird. I... I I love to share, obviously, in terms of journalism, I love to talk about football and I love to talk about sports because that's my first and major interest. So for me, it's about how do I share other people's stories? But what I, I kind of realised, I think, especially over the last couple of weeks, because there's, there's been a lot of personal stories that I've worked on that have has me as the lead kind of subject or character. And that's been out of my comfort zone because I don't, I don't like to be the lead person. And I guess for me, it's not, I'm not just representing myself. I'm kind of representing other people's whose stories are forgotten or not represented well. So in the sense that by just being present, I am a somewhat of a face for other Muslims or other women to go, oh, cool, there's someone else. Let me do something else. And it might be a little bit better. And they might do it after and it's a little bit better. I guess for me, it's not so much about what I bring to the table, but it's more about if I'm present and other people notice I'm at the table, hopefully it gives 
enough of like kind of an inclination for them to invite more people that look like me and more people that can relate like me into that whole conversation because I think that's what's missing especially in sports it's like a lot of people from different ethnic minority groups or religious groups aren't considered because they're just not present and they and it seems like they're not interested because they're not at the table whereas I'm like if I'm at the table you'll know that our community is interested and you'll start inviting more of us there so yeah I guess for me that's it's more about that and it's not so much about remembering me, it's kind of just like, I hope that by me being there, it, it encourages other people to come along and join it, so it doesn't just become me. Yeah, yeah. So what is the beautiful thing about what you're saying is that you want to like, be the person at the table so other people can come and join. What I just want to know is, how is it, how is it to be the first person there? Um, it's all right. Like, it's not, it has, it's obviously, it's like, it's, it's, you know what it is, nine times out of ten, it's actually just fine. Like, but it's just, it's just every now and again, it's a little bit weird. It's like, I grew up, I went to a predominantly uh, ethnic minority Muslim school. So although it was a Church of England school, majority of people were Muslim. It was a very confusing place. <laughs> but it was, and when I went to university, I was very much, although my course was very mixed, um, and I was like the only ethnic minority in my course or the only hijabi in my course the people that I socialized with looked all looked like me and were like me so for me it's very weird to now be environments where I'm the minority I can't because I've just used to being part of a majority for a very long time so I guess for me what I've noticed is that there's a lot of curiosity about me so like people ask about me wearing a hijab and then they're very weird about asking because they don't want to sound offensive you know what I mean like it's just it's, it's so, like how are you good what do you do so how did you literally like a 10 minute conversation and all they want to know is about the hijab but they don't know how to say it so for, that's what makes it a little bit awkward i guess at times and um it, you do have that like it's sometimes it's not people treating you differently like it's not it's just by the fact that by being for example if i go into like a media event and i'm the only hijabi there or the only person of color there although like no one's right outwardly treating me differently you already feel out of place because you don't see anyone that looks like you. You're yeah. kind of like, mm, yeah. are we really supposed yeah. to be here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and and I think that's what a lot of people don't realise. is like, although they try very hard to be like, oh, no, we treat everyone the same, blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm -hmm. it's great, but your environment isn't built for everyone to be the same. Your environment is only catered for one group of people. So when another one shows up, they're automatically going to feel awkward about it. And it's like, if you aren't actively trying to engage them, it's going to be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Yeah, I can so relate. Like the fun the funniest thing is so first of all you get used to kind of being in spaces that are not built for you. Uh but then the awkwardness I find a lot of times when people ask you about things that they find ashamed or like shameful to ask because they don't know how to ask and they think they are like stupid asking or they will ask a stupid question that would I don't know, hurt you or whatever. Then I find it's more awkward for them than for me, but they make it awkward for me because they feel awkward and they openly are like awkward about it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like this whole thing where I sometimes just say, you know, there's no stupid questions. You can ask me whatever you want. And sometimes there are, obviously there are like questions where you're thinking, you could just Google this. You don't have to ask me. And and you know, I think I think it's good for. I really found that it's been good for me because I I think because of the background, the upbringing I've had, I've just assumed. I'm like everyone studied religion in school. Everybody knows, yeah. like you know, but people don't, and it's crazy. But it's one of those things. Like I'm more appreciative of it now. So like I remember I went to 
I went abroad on an event and there was I was traveling with a group of people and although they lived in London they'd never actually like worked or been along aside a Muslim and I was like how do you live in a big big London yeah <laughs> diverse city in the world and you've never but it was to the point that like lunch was being given out and I must have said I would say most of the time I try to tell people I eat halal, and halal food only and sometimes I forget so I'm like if, if that's the option I'll just take vegetarian yeah. um but I always have this weird thing about trying to explain to people I'm not actually vegetarian. But exactly. I'm eating vegetarian <laughs> right now because the food's not low. <laughs> so I'm there trying to tell this girl and she just doesn't get it. And she's like, some, but she's like, some, but I've got a ham sandwich. I don't know if it's halal. I go, no, no, but ham can't be halal because it's pork and pork yeah. isn't halal. Yeah. She just was like, you don't eat pork? I was like, no. And she, and then later on, she's like, you don't drink at all? No. And and literally, it baffled her mind. It blew her mind that I just don't drink and I don't eat pork. What blew her mind is like that pork couldn't be halal. She goes, I don't, but your chicken's halal. Like, I know that because chicken can be halal. And then it teaches me, like, I need to find better ways of explaining what halal yeah. is. Yeah. Because to someone yeah. else, if halal is like the way like the meat is treated or the meat is cut in the process of being it, she, to her logic is pork should also be halal then. Because if yeah. you just deal with it the same way you deal with chicken. And I was like, yeah, I know, but there's exception to this halal rule. And pork is one of them. So it's good, like in that sense, I'm learning how to better communicate and better represent, hopefully, my myself and my faith. But it's also a little bit challenging at times. Yes. Do you find it also a little bit annoying or like monotone if people ask you always about the same things instead of asking you about your expertise or what do you think about the situation? Because you are in sports and you are a Muslim woman in sports. You have visibly Muslim women in sports. You're a black Muslim woman in sports. So how, like... Is it sometimes that you have to fight for the topics that you really want to talk about in like up in contrast to what people want to know because of how you look? Um, yeah, I guess so. in some way it is. But I think a lot, I actively try to make sure I talk, even within sports. I think in the lead up to the Women's World Cup, I was mm -hmm. talking a lot about women's football and that's all I became known for. And I did, I went abroad and I did works with organizations and brands on women's football. So when I came back, I actively tried to not do stuff in women's football because I didn't want to be known as just the girl in women's football. So I'm trying to do a bit more in men's football. I'm doing stuff in other sports. So, but I guess that's something everyone has to do in sports. They have to actively try and lay their foundations in one sport and then try and build away or up from that. And that's like what I'm trying to do. But I just try not to engage in every discussion. Like mm -hmm. for example, I remember someone got in touch with me. Um, my biggest one at the minute is whenever there's a racial scandal in sport, radio stations love to ask me to come up at 7 a.m. And I was like, no, thank you. You know, like, it doesn't make sense to me. They're like, oh, this race scandal happened with, like, for example, Raheem Sterling, um, who's an elite black footballer in the professional world. What do you think? And I was like, I'm not an elite black footballer in the professional world. But if I was, I'd get in touch. But, like, I don't, I don't feel the fact that I should have to speak on behalf of everyone that I somehow represent. Like, I don't fully represent that category, but just because I'm black, they'll be like, mm, that kind of works. Mm -hmm. You can still do it. And I'm like, I can't really though. That's not how it works. So um, for, I guess in all industries, you have to actively try and just upskill yourself. And mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to do is upskill myself and show that I'm not limited to the few sports that I've started into. But at the same time, I do think I'm, I should, I'm always open enough to talk about The topics that affect me and issues that affect my community because I feel like if I don't then nobody else will yeah and that's what it is it's like when you're one of the few people in that circle if you're not the one sharing about it, then no one will like um one example is um 
I work for a current sports network and you know, the, and Mike came up with the hijab, the women's yeah. um, modest wear hijab. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, guys, that's a big deal, you know? That's a big, big deal in the world of sports. Yeah. But no one in that room was picking up on it mm. because it's not on their radar. So I guess in some way, I do have to keep watching out for stories in my community and bring them to the table so that someone else can share them. And then now off the back of that, one of my colleagues will hopefully go and interview one of the um, models who wore the swimsuit. And hopefully that story will come out. But I guess that story wouldn't have come around had I not been in the room like, guys, Mike did a big hijab. You guys should probably look at it. Yes, yes. It's important to be there and then also to be aware that you were there in the room and you have a voice. But how do you get the confidence to actually speak up and also to speak up in situations or in spaces where other people might not speak up or might speak up against what you have to say? How do you get that confidence? You know what, I think it's, it's trial and error and it takes time because I think, at, especially when you're doing something for the first time and you're trying to break into any industry, you just want the opportunity. Yeah. So you don't put a value on the opportunity. You'll be like, take me, take me for free. It doesn't matter. Take me any day of the week. <laughs> That's kind of how you'll see it. And it's like, as you go on, you start to realize, you know what, you, you are more valuable. They need you more than you need them. And, it, and it's a constant thing. Like I have to constantly remind myself, they need me more than I need them because they can't, you know, it is, it's like, for example, like I couldn't just show up to your work and do your job one day just because, you know, I happen to wear a hijab. It's not going to work. Like it would, I would make a mess of it. And the same way you might come to my job and you, you wouldn't be able to do it for a day just because you wear a hijab. And it's like, you have to really believe in the fact that the skills you have and the, and that diversity isn't just um, like this color of your skin or that, like, you know, your faith in that diversity comes in the form of like your upbringing and your, and your experiences that's what diversity is and that's what people need like if you've got 30 people in a workforce who all come from the same estate they're only going to have ideas for themselves yes. and you yeah. need people outside of that to come in and be like i saw this because i watched it on tv when i was a kid probably from mm -hmm. somewhere you didn't watch tv and that's what real diversity is so i think when you start to look at, at diversity and equality outside of your your skin tone and you know the color and what you wear and stuff and you realize that, that it has a lot of value and a lot of extra areas, then you start to realize that actually, you know, there's a lot of value in what I do and I can put a price on it. And yes. if someone doesn't meet that price, it's also, and I guess for us as Muslims, having, you know, tawakkul ala Allah and realizing that if we value ourselves and are doing stuff for ourselves and it might not come around this time around, you, you kind of have the confidence to go, Qadr Allah, you know, come another time, but maybe this one wasn't meant for Yes, yeah. And that's so important what you're saying because you have that confidence because one, you have a tawakkul and the other one is you know the diversity of yourself, like you, you know how unique you are in spite of how you look like or your faith, just the person who you are, your skills and your experiences and that's your competitive advantage. That's what people will know you for and will want you hire for or like pay you for or whatever. So, and that's your personal brand because that's all the facets of who you are and what, not only what you represent, but also what you have inside of you and what you can share with the world. I think that's very important what you just shared. Um, I want to know how you actually tapped into journalism and like how the step into like getting into media was and finding your voice. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like it's weird because I was, I, was, um, I was working on a project recently and I had to kind of trail back as to when I first started media. And I was like, it wasn't that long ago. It was like maybe a year and a half. But I feel like it's been longer because I've just been like going like 100 miles an hour to try and do everything that I can do. But um, I guess for me, the way that came about was um, I attended a conference called Kick It Out, 
which is a ch charity that does some work against um, racism in professional football and like um, non-league football. Um, and it actively campaigns against that. But they also have a career day where they get professionals in sports to come in, give up their time for free, and they get everyday people who want to get involved in sports to cut, show up on that day. And they kind of get mentored through the day. So I showed up to that event because I knew one of the athletes who were hosting it. I hadn't seen her in years. Like I knew like if I went up to her, I'd be like, hello, please remember me. But my thing was like, I saw her on social media and I was like, I want to do something a bit different. Like I was enjoying my job, but I wasn't like, I wasn't sold on it. I was like, nah, I could do this for a while. Maybe not like forever, but I could do this for a while. So I was like, let me try something else. And I really enjoyed that day. Um, and then I went, came, went back to another one of the events and I really enjoyed it. And I guess between the first and the second event, I actually didn't do anything. So it was only when I went to the second event and someone said, oh, I saw you at the last one, what did you do? And I was like, um, about that, I didn't actually do. And that's when I was like, I really need to start doing stuff to get into sports. So I went through the very traditional route of applying for a lot of things, you know, you know, kickoff schemes and work experience placement. And you know, like they say in the requirements, you don't need any experience, but you still don't get it. And I'm there like, I don't have any experience. I don't, I don't understand, I'm hitting all the criteria. I was like, I, don't have, I have zero experience, but I'm still not getting these schemes. And it was getting very frustrating. So I um, met with a friend and we were like, you know what, let's, why don't we just do our own podcast? What's the worst that can happen? And I was like, we have, we have phones and we literally start to record on the back of our um, phones um, in a house individually and would edit from like a free software at home. And yeah, it started to pick up quite well. And then off the back of that, we would continue to go to lots of events, share like these mini business cards we made. Mm. Um, and really just spread the word on the podcast as much as we could um and that was i would say was my first entry to real sporting things and it was a lot of it was just us putting ourselves off out there us investing our time mm. and our money in the sense that obviously we were using um buying stuff going to games um where we were buying the tickets for and reporting there rather than being invited to games but i guess that shows a unique eagerness like, I guess I have a thousand people that want to do journalism, not everyone's showing up to games for free and doing stuff for free. So one thing I learned very early on in, in this industry is that you just have to do stuff and you have to show that you're being proactive, even if the opportunities aren't there for you. You kind of just have to make your own way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I initially started to do it. And yeah, off the back of that, a lot of things kind of came together for me. So I started writing a few articles for, um, for a few magazines. Like, and I realised that... Um, what I really enjoyed is that I think one of my first articles that I wrote that I really enjoyed is I spoke about why there isn't a senior hijabi footballer in the Women's World Cup. And I looked at the history of the hijab ban and people just didn't believe there was a hijab ban. And I was like, oh my God, how do none of you know this? I don't understand. Like considering that my whole childhood was based around the fact that there was a hijab ban in football and that's why I didn't play football. I was just shocked that nobody knew. And what I think that drove me more into sport was like, at least, I can bring conversations from communities where I'm like, why are you not being celebrated? Why are you not the biggest face of sports right now? And it's like, because nobody knows. And I was like, if I can play some part in making that known, then yeah, it's good. Yeah. And that is giving people a platform with your voice, right? Like, I think that is one of the biggest things that you can do when you create your own form of journalism, whether that is writing for magazines, having a blog, social media, podcasting whatever you're doing to put your voice out there, you create a platform for other women to gain, you know, that attention from the outside because that's, you are suddenly the platform. 
you're not looking to a bigger like publication to finally give you a voice and finally give you like the pos like people that look like you the position but you are the platform yourself yeah and I find that yeah i find it interesting there's also like as time goes on you re especially when you find a niche and you find something unique and it wasn't like i didn't set out to be like oh my god i need to find something unique 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 to do it was literally a case of me and my friend met up and we were like let's do this and we realized as we were doing it a lot of people were like oh my god i've never seen people like you do it or i've never seen people that look like you do it so we became unique off the back of just wanting to do it. It wasn't something we originally set out to do. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my God, let's sit together, let's do a really unique plan, see what makes us different and see what happens. It was just a case of, we just did it. Um, and off the back of that, like it became in somewhat a, a good success. And yeah, we did some stuff around the Women's World Cup. We traveled out quite a bit. Um, and then off the back of that, now I host a number of different podcasts and radio shows. So I guess for me, it's literally just been a case of, just showing willingness to learn and willingness to do things and like honestly i would travel like an hour for like a 45 minute meeting and i was like i could do this over the phone but it was still like really important and really skillful for me to do um and all of those things i think eventually add up to something really successful and really good as time goes on but it's also having the patience to just deal with it yeah so what do you think are the most important skills that you apart from patience and and I think investing was a big thing that you said, like investing time and also like money and like real work into what you want to do. But if you tell anyone else to, okay, this is the steps that I would take to, you know, go clo get closer to building my brand or finding my dream career. What would be the steps that you would t say, like, this is what you should do in hindsight? Okay, maybe... The things that you did weren't uh, yeah. planned out, but what in hindsight would you have done, like what you could have done in steps that would have made it like more straightforward or easier or faster? I guess um, the biggest thing would be take the initial step to make it happen. I, I, I would always say don't don't visualize like an end brand. Like for me, I don't have to say like I don't, even now that you, you know, you talk about personal branding, you talk about be like representing yourself. I still don't see myself as a personal brand. I just see that I, I do my work and I just share it online. Like it's as basic as that. It doesn't have, it doesn't need to have like a five point plan. It doesn't need like you to have different visions and different goals for it. You can just set out to do it. And as you, as time goes on, you start to narrow down your niche. Like you start to go down. The only way I can see is like you lay your foundations and when you lay your foundations to build a house, it's quite wide. And as you kind of go higher up, it becomes like smaller, smaller, like pyramid thing. Um, and I guess just see it like that, just start. And when you initially start, it will be a case of sharing everything. And then you realize, actually, you know what? This is what suits me or this is the audience that I want to build because this is the area I'm into. So initially for me, I was sharing a lot about youth work and sports and I was sharing other things and like other charities that I don't work for. And then I realized as time went on, my, my niche and what I want to do is sports journalism. So only start sharing those aspects. And then I feel like your natural growth and um, consumers and followers will grow off the back of what you give out anyway. So in that sense, I would say just go do that. And the only thing I can also think of is just like, don't look so much at the figures and the numbers and um, like what you do for things. My and I think that that's been the biggest learning curve for me is when people say, oh, I want you to go and represent me here or I want you to represent my brand here. It doesn't logically make sense to me. I'm like, I don't understand. Like I, I, I tweet, I tweet sport articles. I maybe I share a few pictures on Instagram about things. I don't have a massive following. Like for me, 
I've always associated work, if you are being individually sought out to go and do some brand related work, it's because they want you to, they see the numbers behind your influence. And that's sometimes not the case. Like, for example, there might be a white middle aged man who's got, I don't know, 30 million followers, but chances are his 30 million followers probably look and identify with him because of, you know, the style, the how he is and how he's lived and etc. Whereas if you're trying to engage my, like, you know, myself and my audience, you probably assume they look like me or they are like me. So sometimes there's value in you beyond that, the numbers and the figures around it. And I think that's what's also very, very important. Mini break, please don't forget to subscribe to us here and on YouTube and rate and review the podcast on iTunes because it really helps to get the content to the right people so they can build a personal brand that is true to who they are. And if you have anyone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with her because there's nothing more valuable than hearing someone say, I really truly believe this episode was made for me and I was meant to hear it. So if you can be part of someone's moment today, inshallah, share it. Now let's get back to the episode. So when you say, okay, so what I hear is like, say, just do and then document. And I think that yeah. is very important that a lot of times you don't need to create a, like a huge plan or a huge strategy. It's just documenting your pro progress. Yeah, absolutely. And just change. And there's no, I don't think there's any error in, in changing it as you go along in the sense that you might realize this isn't for me now. Oh, let me take this element out of my work and just cut that bit out and maybe adjust it for a certain period of time. I think personal brand is timeless and I think what makes personal brand even more successful is people's personal brand changes as the time goes on like if you look at footballers for example for a while they're seen as you know just the, like the gold dust footballers the best of the best and it's all about having a really big personality and being really ego driven and then you come out of retirement and it's about what are you doing to build the community so doesn't Your personal brand when you're younger is a very different from when you're older, but it's still you as a brand and it's all about how you make those transitions in between. So I think transition is equally important when you're still building your brand on a very small level. How do you transition out of one phase into the other and how do you make that transition seem a bit smoother? So yeah, post like and share and just document and make errors as you go along and just try and change them. Yeah, just be yourself because that's how the brand is going to grow with you when you are yourself. Yeah, and Just exactly. going through your life. That's and it's true. personal you can't you can't you can't use guidelines for it because it's personal for a reason it's supposed mm -hmm. to match you yeah so how do you then go come from the personal into like building um collaborations with brands or with projects or organizations how has that transition worked from you for you from charitable work to then working with brands um i just i think it's also realizing the why behind everything you do or the UPS or I don't know, whatever people want to call it, but why is it you're doing what you want to do? Um, so, and there's also realizing you don't need to jump on the back of every opportunity because I think one thing I've had to learn is that I don't need to be at the forefront of every single, I don't know, campaign or every single panel, every single discussion just to represent. Sometimes like there's no reason for me to be in a media and politics panel because I'm not in, that's not, that's not my area of expertise. And, it, and, it, and it's perfectly fine if I say to people, you know what, thank you for considering me. That's not my area of expertise, but I know so-and-so instead. Because you're still doing enough by sharing the opportunity to someone else. So it's also realizing that you don't need to be at the face of everything, but by being the face of what's valuable and what's um, going to help you progress and what you can work in partnership with, that's a lot more important. So for me, it's just been a case of just learning um, who's better for me and also making clear like what are, Like if you're, if you're approached by someone to collaborate with them, as much as it's you, um, them collaborating with you, it's also you collaborating with them. So it's also like, what 
do you bring to the table for them and what do they bring to the table for you and if they don't meet then maybe it's not worth doing like for example me and you doing this me and you doing this is the fact that you you share and stories about people who build that personal brand you share stories about muslim women and mine is because i'm trying to you know just do what i'm doing in sports media and trying to kind of encourage more muslim women to get into it so in that way we've worked we've worked out our common ground is that we're doing something for the wider muslim community so sometimes it's like although not all of our objectives match maybe five or six of them do and sometimes that's enough yeah yeah so how do you then go step by step into building collaborations with just bigger brands and can you give others mm, other women maybe a tip on how to either build a brand that attracts like bigger corporations to get in touch with you or how to get in touch with like bigger brands to work with them on things that really matter to you i think it's just being um just sharing your content so from my from a social media point of view i guess um the biggest example for myself is instagram so a lot of the opportunities i've had have come off the back of sharing um panels i've been on or discussions i've been part of on instagram and with that early on it was i guess it was a case of just tagging anyone and everyone just seeing and i realized very quickly that, that doesn't work because people and especially now that i work in social media i realize a lot of them don't actually use it's not it's not like how me and use our phone and instagram we've got computer softwares that help us do the instagram when you're working and it's like it's we rarely ever check what people are saying commenting on our, on our feed it's more about the content and looking at actual statistics around it so it's very different as to how brands look at their social media than when you're looking at it yeah. so when you think of it like that it's just how can you make the visual or what you're doing, the content most attractive, most appealing to audience? Because I think when your natural audience, when they pick up on something, it will naturally become very successful. Um, also working with agencies, sometimes people don't realize that brands don't always do the work for themselves. They also have a lot of agencies that deal with them. So if you're able to identify a number of agencies, reaching out to them via email, um, just to be on their radar, it might be, you might not even match their first four or five appeals, but something might come in the line of books, like maybe five or six months down the line. And it might be a case, oh, I remember so-and-so reached out to me. Let me try and see if they're still around. So, yeah, I think being proactive outside of social media is very important. So LinkedIn, emails, I think are very, very good ways of reaching out to different agencies and social media managers and really just making them know that you're there. Not necessarily that they have to look at you right now, but that you're there for like a later point. Yes, yeah. To be in their mind, to just like be on top of their mind if something comes up. And that has to do, I had a conversation with um, with the CMO of a big corporation. And she said, you always have to repeat to people on top of like bigger corporations or like you say, reach out to them on LinkedIn or email. Like you have to repeat to them who you are for them so they understand, okay, this is the woman in sports journalism. We have to have her top of mind. So if something comes up, And there's some talk about we need someone in sports journalism. And then uh, you come up in the discussion because you have repeated yourself to be that person. You're just there. like Because if you don't present yourself, you're not going to be top of mind and people are not going to know. And I think that's why you really have to understand what what you are. Because if you're just coming to, if you're just coming, oh, I'm, I'm a Muslim woman and I want to make a name for myself. But you don't know how. If I say that to you, like, as a social media manager, you'll be like, okay, This is not very helpful at all. Like you need to literally go. I I would go to people. This this is I'm I'm Faduma. I'm a social, I'm a sports journalist, specifically in football, and this is what I'm setting out to do. Mm-hmm. And at least you've given them enough to be like, okay, now we can we know where you might fit into this. But I think by being very broad, 
you're also not helping yourself or being able to narrow it down to what you specifically want to do is yes. actually more proactive in the long run. Yes, yeah. Because if you're general, you're just one of many. If you're very niche, you're the top of the one. Yeah, you're one of the few. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So let's go from the big brands to really the social work you're doing. So um, building something in your work that is also of social impact and has bigger purpose and has is bigger than yourself. How did you get into really that work uh, in charity work and in social impact work? And why do you think it is, is, it impo is it important for you and your work to have something that is bigger than yourself? I uh, got into charity work just like off the back of um, someone just reaching out saying they needed someone to help run a youth center. So it was literally just contact. But from being in it, I think what I have really realized is that there is a huge lack of representation in months of, in terms of, I think, minorities and Muslims more, especially. Like, I can't tell you the amount of young Muslim men and women I work with, but I am probably one of the only youth workers I've come across who wears, like, a hijab. And, and it's and it's mad, because I'm just like, I think what we're, we're raised to know for a very long time, especially when you come from backgrounds of where you were, where you used to use a lot of youth centres or where that was accessible for you, you're kind of just sort taught to be like, you want to be the next best thing or you want you need to be the top of your profession um and you talk to always always work in the grind and i'm like that's absolutely amazing but at the same time i always I always think you have to put into your community the same way that that was put into you so for me i used to go to youth centers when i was younger so someone out there gave up their time to help run that and i would be very selfish if i wasn't doing that for someone else so for me it's more about being able to actively do something and it's just i think it's what it's a form of sadaqah that i think a lot of people have forgotten like sadaqah doesn't always come in the form of going to the message or donating money um or fundraising at the next crisis that's going on sometimes small sadaqah which is more regular can sometimes be more effective like i would like to think that growing up someone had a very positive impact on me on a very regular basis and that's led to me being somewhat of a, like you know of a reasonable sense of a human being um, similarly, you know, I'll have a positive influence on someone else on a regular basis so that they can do the same and that will go on. So, and that's a, that's kind of like a domino effect of you just do, going out and doing something and you're part of that domino effect. And I feel like by not doing something, you're just stopping what could potentially go on to be more and more people going out to do stuff. So, yeah, I do think, especially in a world where we're so, like, don't get me wrong, I'm one of the first people to, I'm probably, and my friends say it to me, I'm, Sometimes I overwork, I'm overdriven and I miss way too many celebrations and functions because I'm always working. But I, I would always, always try my best to at least be doing something within the community because I feel like if you don't, then you're just benefiting yourself and you're not benefiting the people around you. And sometimes I feel like you can be selfless in order to be selfish in the long, long, long run. Like you can go out and do stuff in the community and it might help you in the long run. It might not, but at the same time, you haven't lost out. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And there's not, like, you don't have to ditch the big dream of becoming a millionaire and, like, building schools and, like, giving back and later on, but you can do it while you're doing the ongoing stuff. Like, you can do youth work or you can have, like, a mentee and um, just someone that you know from another family or someone in your community that you give lessons or, like, that you mentor in a specific field if you're already a little advanced in your career, people love, like, especially young uh, people, they want the the input of, like, how did you get there? How can I get there? How do I get better, get to know myself, what I want? 
So you can do the ongoing stuff while you you shoot for the big star. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I, I think I, it's a case of, I always say like, I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be in terms of like career or goals in that sense. And, but I, I, I still think um, I would be okay if someone's like, oh, what did you do to get here? And I'd be like, okay, this is what I did. And you could, it might work for you, it might not work for you, but you have some kind of a blueprint. And I think what we forget is that we didn't have that. So we shouldn't get caught up in the cycle of chasing something so much that we forgot, to, we forget to do that to other people. Like we forget to help them the same way that we, like honestly, has someone said to me like 10 years ago, you'd make a great journalist. It would have cut out a lot of nonsense in my life. For no one did. So at least now I'm this way. Like, I can look at people like you'd make a great journalist. You should do it, and yeah. they might do it. They might not. But at least the option is there for them. And I'm cutting out. I'm hopefully cutting out a lot of nonsense in their life. And that's what I see it as. Please cut out the nonsense, like you know, that you have to deal with of other people's lives because we don't all have to do the same struggle. Like it's not necessary. Yes. Yeah. That's very true. So what would have been easy? Like what? What should someone have said to you? kind of advice would you had like people to say to you so that your journey would be faster or easier or you could have cut out some nonsense what are like the top tips that you would have loved to hear when you started um i guess for me like um it would have been a case of just i don't i don't know i think I'm not gonna lie to you, like being younger and especially like if you look at my degree and what I studied at school when I studied at college, it was never to do with journalism, like because I didn't I didn't think that was a career for me. Like I'd never seen I'd rarely seen women of colour doing it. I'd rarely seen people of colour doing it and then even less women Muslim women. Like now I generally I remember I saw a Muslim girl on work experience and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I was like, What? Do you want to work this for us at a sports magazine? No way. Like, to me, it was just the greatest thing in the world. So for me, I guess it was, if someone could have brought that option to the table a little bit earlier, it would have made a massive difference. I might have started a little, because I was, I'm 24 now. I, I only started really showing an interest in this when I was like 22, 32 years ago. But has someone said to me, oh, at like 16, you know what, there's actually journalists out there and there's Muslim journalists out there. I would have been like, Oh, I could do that for uni and it might have led to different but other Allah like I'm not unhappy with how it's come out and sometimes I feel like this is this is a way I've still been successful or, or I'm trying to be successful in some type of way in it but I always think that if I can stop someone else doing the same nonsense that I did then hopefully you know they'll get to it a bit quicker than I did and I'm okay with that and I and I was saying this to someone else like it's not it's not so much about me getting to the top or me being very close to the top if I if I'm a, like, for example, if I become a journalist and I become an average, very average journalist and I carry on in sports, that's cool. As long as someone else, another Muslim girl becomes a better journalist than I did. And then, and say another Muslim girl from the, off the back of that decides that, you know what, she wants to be the first, you know, hijabi football woman at, us, at a World Cup football event. And she does that. And she might not even win. She might just be like, you know, sixth or seventh at the world, like, you know, in terms of country. And then she might do that. It's just starting that cycle and keeping that cycle going. And that's what I mean. It's being content with that. And I'd be very happy knowing that someone else, even if they're better, has someone else come into that space and done something else. I'd be like, cool, there's two of us now. Say something now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love that because it, like, takes away the boundaries of, you know, I'm in the space. I, I, I should be the only one. Or all this narrative of I'm the only or I'm the first. 
like that's okay you could be the only or the first but it never should be like that of course. for a long time and, it should ne- and this is and it should never settle like that it should never be a case of there was a first like hijabi on this magazine or there's the first hijabi at this event cool i i want you to celebrate the second just as much because you made a big deal out of the first so i need <laughs> you to put a poster up about the second too because mm-hmm. i don't i think it's good obviously to acknowledge every milestone we make but also encourage other people to be like that was the first but you need to you need to you need to step up again right you need to be second there need to be at least 15 at the table yeah. there's to be 15 on those it needs to be such a big deal that you know we're trying to think about other things to talk about mm-hmm. because I, I think that's what what's really missing and i i i really like that's what i really hope in a lot of different industries and a lot of different especially when it comes to um because I, I think people look at media and they're like it's a very snobbish industry it's a very elitist and i'm saying it's really not it's, it's not that elitist it's not that snobbish and it's more about if if growing up growing up i was as a kid i used to watch a program called blue peter you you wouldn't have heard this but it's a british program and i remember me and my siblings used to literally imagine we came from denmark and we um didn't know the language and for some reason we were all obsessed with blue peter because they just used to use all of these weird challenges they would go out and do stuff outside and it very much resembled the childhood i had in denmark which is very outdoorsy and very fun so for me i thought that is amazing i want to do that but it's, it was a case of i looked at it for a while i was like nah no i don't i don't think they let anyone other than white women or white men do that show because that's what it looked like and i remember a black guy came on there um and i thought it was like the greatest thing in the world i was literally and you know what's mad is like I remember my, my brother, so my brother learned to swim off the back of seeing that show. He was literally like, oh, this guy, that guy does swimming. And I was like, yeah. And I remember we spoke about, we spoke about swimming um, and there's this whole stigma about how black guys don't swim. And in Denmark, it's a very swimming heavy culture. So for me, I was like, I don't understand how people don't swim in this country. I, I, all I learned was how to swim and ride a bike. So my brother obviously went into swimming the same way. And for me, I was literally just used to see him, I was like, Guys, it's a black TV presenter in children's TV. That is crazy. I'm going to be on TV. I don't know how, but I'm going to do the same thing. And what's mad is like, now I see I, I see him still because now he works in sports industry. And whenever this comes out, he'll probably be like, what a weirdo. But um, I see him in the sports industry and I'm literally like, you don't realise like how significant your presence... I don't know what he said on the show. I can't remember any of the challenges he did. I don't actually physically remember him doing anything. He might have done loads of stuff. But all I remember is whenever I'd sit down to watch Blue Peter, there was, there was a white girl, another white guy, and there was a black guy there, and he was that black guy. And that's all I remember. And I think sometimes people don't realise that that's more than enough for other people. Because I think by just being the face and by just being present, he doesn't know what he's done for so many other people to be yeah. like, oh, cool, I want to do the same. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just need to understand that, okay, now there is a first person or the only person, but why are there not more people? Exactly. And that's where the problem starts and that, that's where the solutions can build up, be built up from. Inshallah. I love it. I love it. This is, this is so iconic. And I think we need to think a little bigger. Like now we're seeing fashion and we are seeing sports and we're seeing uh, media. But we can also look into, you know, being uh, the first hijabi or like Muslim woman in, who owns an investment banking firm yeah or a exactly. fund Listen, or you know like is a billionaire everything like. exactly there's enough stuff there's enough success to go around honestly yeah. for everyone but yeah, i think you just have to you just have to show that you want it and you have to show that you're engaged and you have to um be gracious with how you deal with it and you have to 
just be try and be positive about it and just try and like reflect a lot like I it's weird like growing up I learned a lot of I, I went to a lot of like typical upbringing I went to a lot of Quran classes and I went a lot to and I saw a lot of stories and to me it was just like that's a nice story that's a really heartwarming story but it's only as I've grown older I'm like oh my god I can apply those and I can be like these stories actually have like a deeper meaning and it's especially when you look at stories of like um stories of the prophet and stories of the companions of the prophet it's like i've only been able to kind of pin those together like now that i've been at work and like working for example in a different environment that i'm not used to working at, and how do i handle that how do i how do i make myself known but also not turn myself down for other people but at the same time being able to accommodate for other people and it's a lot it's a lot to even think about but it's like i've i now have actual examples of those and we've had those examples for years, but I'm able to apply to them for yeah. the first time. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So if you have the confidence to do it because you have the vision, you have the confidence, just do it and be that person for someone. But if not, you should do the research like you did or you're doing in that not only in that field or in, in the current or modern times, but also in the times of the Prophet and his wives, they are a big uh they they are huge role models if we just go and dig deeper into history we find so many role models that we can like pinpoint to like see okay this is what they did and this is the equivalent that i could do and in, in this time so like just researching and like building up that confidence if you don't have it yourself now i think that's a big thing to yeah do. and i think it's also having a network of people that will help you build something in, in the sense that I, I think when I, when I, I remember, I think I've only started to tell people I'm a journalist now. And like literally, like maybe in the last three weeks, I was like, I think I'm a journalist now. I think I've written enough articles and I've been in enough, like done talk shows to be an art journalist now. Because it was just like a thing that I was like, you don't always want to be the first. Like if ever, I'm telling you, if everyone else is a journalist, it would be, I could be, a, it would be like saying I'm a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. It would be a normal profession. Nobody would be like, what are we doing? um so i guess that's why but i think having people around you who are literally i just see it's like you just need people to hype you on a regular basis and i'm, I'm so grateful like alhamdulillah my friends are literally that people i will call them and i'll be like guys this is a terrible idea i don't know what i was thinking i, I think this is a really good task for someone to do in 10 years time just not me like i literally have massive moments where i'm just like i can't do this and they're literally like listen you need to go out and do it you've done it so much don't let yourself down now and they'll really hype me and at times I'm just like, okay, guys, you're doing too much. Like this, you're doing, you're being way too positive. And it's like in an industry or in, and especially when you're in an environment where you, where you already feel like you're not supposed to be there and you feel so negative about it, it's even more detrimental if you're negative about yourself. So you need people to just be positive around you and hype you. And I'm a big believer in the fact that friends aren't like, in the sense that you, you make friends when you're a kid and you grow up with them forever. You, there's different people for different stages of your life. And for the stage that I'm at now, I've got really positive people who constantly are like to me, yo, you're doing amazing, you're doing great, you should do this, you should do that. And you need that, especially when I feel like confidence and self-belief is a very valid, it's a very delicate thing. Um, and it's not something that I've necessarily always have. And I acknowledge that about myself. And I know that I've not always been very confident and I've not always had a lot of self-belief. But now that I do have that, I very much value it and I, I like to protect it by making sure the people around me just basically give me a lot of positive energy. And if they don't, I'm like, this is very expensive energy. Yeah. I can't do it. 
that yeah, stuff. it's all but... about attitude, like gathering people around you that have the right attitude and not only um, always being like, yeah, I think you can do that, but really giving you the understanding that you with your unique skills and strengths and passions yeah. can do it. Like just making you understand that you have all that it takes inside of you. That's very yeah, big. You need that. And it's like sometimes you might not see the value in what you're doing. And you need you need like an outside perspective to be like to actually this this you doing something is not just about you, it's bigger than you. And I I'm not, I've had that I I've had the I've had to like have that conversation quite a lot on a regular basis with a lot of people because it's something that I've quite fight hard to be like I, I self doubt a lot. I'm like they are like mm. I mean, I'm not that good at sports anyway, so I don't understand why well, you I'm sabotage really yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you see, become you, you sabotage yourself and it's not needed and you need to just really upskill yourself and upsell yourself. And um, it, sometimes you need other people to be like, you are great at this because you have this about you. You are great at this because of this reason. Not just because you're great, but because, you know, there's other things to it. And when you have those conversations with people, you start to. A, build up your self-belief and your self-confidence and like once you have that you start to become a bit more protective over it and I think that's what you know in the long run it benefits you it benefits your friends it benefits your family it's everyone will benefit from the circumstance but you just need to keep kind of persevere with it and I guess it's the same in any other field or any other industry you work in it's about how do you upskill yourself and make yourself better and sometimes it's doing stuff in your spare time and sometimes it's doing stuff in, you know late hours that you don't really want to be doing but you yeah. know that it will eventually lead to you doing better in the long run yes yeah that's very true so i have a last question actually for you um you have a podcast yes i should ask my second last question you have a podcast and <laughs> i would love to know um how did you start the podcast and what are your top tips for starters who want to start a podcast to get into podcasting so I started the podcast very simply on my phone. iPhones are great for recording stuff, so Android, so any other phone. I think what people don't realise is the technology we have in our hands. So I, myself and my friend, we live in two very, like I live on one side of the UK and she lives on the other. So we kind of just was like, let's record it. We um, FaceTime over Skype and then we record the audio. So I record my audio on my phone and she records hers and hers her phone and then we upload it to Google Drive and then I edit edit the audio on Audacity, Audacity, sorry, um, which is a free software to download. So it's a very, very cheap way of running things. Um, and then we just use SoundCloud for the first part of it. So SoundCloud is a free uploading um, software week and then that will help you convert it to iTunes. So set up an iTunes account, link it into SoundCloud. And yeah, I think trial and error like if I was to listen to my third podcast now it, everything is out of sync like I think I laugh 10 seconds later from when she speaks like it, because the, I didn't go to school I didn't learn at school it was very much YouTube tutorial so I utilized some of the information that I had my nephew's here come on can you ask for Rosie please I don't literally like this is this is what my holidays inclined of it's just babysitting and looking after people but um Five minutes. Bye bye. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> we lasted this long without kid interrupting. I don't understand. Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah, so you go on. Um, I did it via up and SoundCloud. So uploaded it on SoundCloud, which starts off free, but I think after sixty hours of upload, you have to pay for it. But it's a, it's not that much of a cost. Um, and then linking that into iTunes or Spotify would. And then, that, yeah, that's kind of how it came off. And in terms of building an audience, I just shared it on um, social media. I did a lot of just tagging a lot of different 
um, organisations that I knew would be interested in it. So like women in football, women in sports, FIFA women's, because um, that's what the conversation was about. <laughs> okay, okay, give me 10 minutes, I'll come to you. I'm from the phone, please. Thank you. Nearly there. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how it came together, was um, just a lot of um, sharing on platforms and that's how the audience grew as time goes on. But initially we started with just a podcast. And after we did that for probably about six months, we went went into doing Instagram and that we just started doing videos on Instagram. So we did a very slow growth. We um, What we did do is we kind of created the social media platforms, but we didn't post anything on them. So just that we had the social kind of the apps so that they're all the same. And then once we were ready to put that extra step in or extra little bit of work in, we started progressed into it. Nice. That's beautiful because it shows you step by step, like first start with this, make it easy, like yeah. go on it, your phone is enough and it, it really is and platforms like Audacity, SoundCloud, also Anchor are all free platforms you can use to upload your podcast. So it's amazing. Okay, the last question is actually a question that you can ask to the audience about anything that we spoke about today, any of the topics, whether that would be um, being the first or only in a space, um, building your personal brand, upskilling yourself, finding the confidence and like gathering positive people around you. What would a question be that you wanted to ask the audience that they could answer in the comments below? Um, I think my question would be, um, would be what, what, what is your drive and like what is it that makes you do what you want to do? And how do you regularly remind yourself of that? Especially when, you, when work becomes repetitive after a while or it becomes normalized for you to be in certain circles. How do you remind yourself, actually, this is why I'm doing it and this is the end goal or this is the drive behind it. So how do you kind of reignite that interest or that passion in yourself? Because mm -hmm. I think right. it's important to look that back. Again? It's important to look back at that. Yeah, yeah. To always like, always check in again and see is that why or the, the drive the same. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's the next question. What's your drive and what's ma uh, what makes you want to do what you want to do and how do you remind yourself yeah. of it regularly? Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you, my lovely. <laughs> I hope you loved this conversation and got a lot of value out of it, both for understanding how to be your authentic self and bring it to whatever it is you're doing and how to build a personal brand that sticks out in the market and carries on the much needed topic of representing diverse voices. So make sure to answer Fathomo's question in the comments below this episode at Share Diversity and check us out on Instagram. You can follow myself at Sinamishal the podcast at share diversity and furthermore at furthermore f-a-d-u-m-o underscore o-o and you can also check out her podcast at she is offside and today i want to highlight a special review i love 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 all the reviews that you are leaving on the podcast and on social media so this week's review is from neha and she said i love listening to nilly i know her personally and i couldn't be more proud that she's sharing her positivity love and joy with the world she's a true inspiration this review is specifically about the episode that i did with nilly 
Nasir Farooqi. You can find that on this podcast. We talked about personality training, peak performance and building your personal brand. So thank you so much for this beautiful review. And don't forget, if you want to be featured in next week's reviews, leave us a rating on iTunes. Go on the podcast, subscribe to us and leave us a rating and a review. This really helps us to get the podcast heard by more listeners and it helps me to understand what content you like so I can create more more of it. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget the real deal is going on at sharediversity.com. Comment below this episode and share your diversity with us. And if you'd like to build your own personal brand to get your career and business to the next level, visit me on sinaport.com, S I N A P O R T to get access to free resources and programs to build a brand that's true to who you are. And hey, if you're not ready yet and you don't know what you want, just book a free call with me. I'll get to know you and we'll figure it out together. Again, that's sinaport.com. And I'll see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.